0: Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, mark, winning picks, Lawrence. And now,
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, Andy Isco, and Jim Feist as we're all set to go against the spread in this weekend's NFL week number four, college football week number five card. And guys, if you can believe it, we're talking week number five in college football. Unbelievable, Victor, how fast time passes when you're having fun.
2: I know. We're about to wrap up the first month of the season. You want to talk college football? Hot off the press. Somebody's been crushing it in the playbook college football selections. And that would be Mark. Again, you want to download this week's issue. Wednesday is the day to do it. You can go to playbooksports.com to download. And, you know, last week there were some great games, man. Oh, man, in the top 25 in college football. I know. I think there's four scheduled this week. But, Mark, in a couple of them, there were questionable coaching decisions, particularly in the last minute of play. (laughs) that definitely affected the outcome. I threw out the Clemson FSU Florida state game. I also threw out the Ohio state, Notre Dame specifically the way those games ended. Uh, One more thing, guys, I kind of hope that our, our podcast watchers and listeners are sharp enough to have not fallen for the biggest trap in college football betting this season And that's been drinking the Colorado Kool-Aid.
1: Well, the Colorado Kool-Aid, a lot of people did, uh, what was that called when they drank that poison uh, back in whenever? Uh, A lot of people really kind of maybe lost their bankroll following Colorado immediately after they opened the season. And uh, we'll see whether or not they can get their act back together. It's going to be real tough again this week for them to do. But good point, Victor, not drinking. That Colorado Kool Aid, Andy. Think what talking, I think
0: you're talking about the, the Hemlock, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Joan, Jonestown, maybe. <laughs> That's what it was. Jonestown. That's yep. exactly right. Jim was. Jones. Yeah, yeah. Well, the
3: I guess late seventies.
1: Yes, exactly what it was. Andy, what caught your eye on last week's college or or pro football card? Anything that jumped out to you?
3: Well, it's interesting because I sort of uh, touched upon it in my uh, newsletter this week. Uh, you may have noticed. Uh, that offensive production in the NFL is not at the high levels we've been accustomed to. Uh, There have been 48 games played thus far this season, meaning 96 team games. Seven of the 96 teams have seen less than 200 yards uh, of offensive yards gained. Even going just a bit further, an additional five teams gained between 200 and 224 yards. Now at that pace over a full uh, two hundred and seventy-two game schedule that would result in roughly forty-five teams, uh, games producing under two hundred total yards, and another twenty-eight uh, gaining between 200 and 224 That would be about eight percent of all teams producing under two hundred, and thirteen producing under two twenty-five, uh, as opposed to uh, some of the uh, exploits we've seen in past years. In fact, even just this past week, where uh. Miami gained 726 yards, 350 of which were on the ground. I don't know if it's just an ineffective offense or a great defense, but offensive production clearly league-wide is down this year.
1: And, Jim, let me ask you this question. Uh, we put up, we saw a circus aerial show last week in the National Football League. The Miami Dolphins really put it on the Denver Broncos last week. I, was, I wasn't I was able to find 50 and a half points with the Broncos, so I had a losing ticket with, <laughs> with, with Denver last week. Uh, what, was, what was your take, Victor, on that aerial show that the Miami Dolphins put up last week?
2: Andy covered it. Uh, we've never seen things like that. Uh, what what a uh, what an aerial circus! Now, what you want to do is don't fall again into another trap of automatically knee-jerking your over/under selection after a big game like that. Because if you go in the database and study it, some of those uh, gaudy numbers that Miami put up actually indicate that their game against the Bills this week might be lower scoring than people thought. Much like we did in week one. Remember the Miami road game against the chargers that was so high scoring. And we went under the next week and talked about it for two hours in the Patriots game with the dolphins. So same trap this week as well.
1: Well, Jim, let me ask you this question then. Um, How do you react to a football game like that from last week? Uh, You know, the Miami dolphins are going to be, a very, very popular side, even though they're playing Buffalo, they do have revenge from the playoffs last year, but there's also an obvious regression to the mean written all over them to come back to earth. How would you handicap that game initially? If you looked at it, it you know?
0: it's, it's such a big division game. Arguably, I mean, you could just forget the other two teams in this division. This is going to come down to Buffalo or Miami winning this. And the other thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong because you have all the data there, but I remember, if I remember correctly, Buffalo has handled them nine out of the last ten games.
1: And yeah, it's been a Buffalo not, dominated series. Yes. Miami,
0: Miami's not going into that game flat. Uh, they they did play a lot of backups in that game against the Denver. Den, I think the A lot of what happened last week, not only is Miami good, not only do they have a great offensive coach, head coach, not only are they the fastest team in the NFL Waddle didn't even play in that game and they played, they put up a lot of points in the first game against the chargers. I, I think it's just very difficult to stop a team that has this much speed and this much creativity on offense. Uh, you have a defensive head coach in Buffalo. You have an offensive head coach in Miami. I think that's an advantage for Miami because the defensive head coaches in this league right now are having difficulty. And part of the reason is they don't, they don't get a chance in the preseason to really get in shape, to really get in sync. Bill Belichick said it a few years ago. With the rules that they have today, that you can't hit, you can't have pads, only this much time, etc., it takes you four or five weeks just to get in sync. So Miami has solved that problem because of their speed and because of the ingenuity. And Tua is extremely accurate. I don't see a fall off at all from Miami. Now they do not have great luck playing against Buffalo, so that's a that's an issue there that I. Uh, you know, I, I I would not be laying the points with Buffalo, but I'm, I'm not too sure I'll take the points with Miami.
1: Well, it might be a good game to watch, is what I'm hearing. But well, it's opinion. going to be fun. Yes, it will yeah. be fun. You know, what my one thought about Miami Dolphins this year, and Victor and I are both down here in Dolphin Country, is. For all of the uh, all of the points that they're putting up in this high wire active of offense, they have what happens with the Dolphins when Vic Fangio's defense really starts kicking things in gear, when Jalen Ramsey is back in that lineup, and suddenly they can hit you both offensively and defensively. I think they're a team to watch. I don't want to knee jerk react and hop on the uh, on a merry go round that's going 100 miles an hour now after what Miami did last week. All I'm saying here is the Dolphins, I think, can only get better, not maybe better on that performance, but better uh, this football season than I think most people are expecting out of the Miami Dolphins this year. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. We're sitting in with Victor King, Andy Isco, and Jim Feist from Las Vegas. And with that, guys, let's hop over to our featured college football game of the week. Now, on the surface... Some people might say, this is your game of the week. Come on, man. But this is a good football game in the standpoint that I think what you've got is the most popular Miami Dolphin-like offense in college football taking on an up-and-coming college football team that most people don't realize they're an up-and-coming team. And that takes place when Arizona takes on the Washington Huskies. Victor, how do you see this handicapping from an over-under total standpoint?
2: Yeah, right. You know, we could have easily have chosen four, five, six other games uh, involving uh, top 25 teams, but also we want to uh, save a couple of those games, put them in our pockets for our paying customers as well. But this is a fine game here. This is the second latest game on the Sunday schedule. They're not uh, uh, kicking this one off till 10 o'clock Eastern at night. A Pac 12 game, Washington Huskies. They are laying somewhere around 18 points on the road against the Arizona Wildcats Uh, over underline opened at 70 and a half. It's come down a couple of points. It's still on the high side at 67 and a half Uh, Washington on the season. You know what you're getting a 590 yard offense dominant in all four games. They've gone two and two over under on the season. Average line fifty nine and a half. Average score sixty six point seven. Average margin in Husky games have been over by plus seven and a half points. A slightly opposite for the Arizona Wildcats, who have gone a perfect zero and four to the under this season. Average line fifty nine point six. Average score only forty four point five. Average margin. Arizona Wildcat games have gone under by minus 15.1 points per game. And the implied score, the predicted score of the game based on the point spread and the over-under line is Washington 43, Arizona 24.5. Again, I'm sure Mark will say a lot about Michael Penix and Jr., He's a kid that says, you know, he's the kid who played at in Indiana in the Big Ten for a year or two.
0: Exactly.
2: We want to score every time we get the ball. It shows. He's got 16 passing touchdowns in just four freaking games, a team that never relaxes on offense. Now, Arizona, on the other hand, they've been building some momentum here in Judd Fish's third season, and they're expecting one of those uh, Arizona, what they call red-out, sellout crowds, 50,000 or more for Saturday's game. Arizona, what we do know is they barely scraped by one of the worst teams in the Pac-12, Stanford, last week, a 21-20 road victory. And, of course, they have not faced anything close to the kind of firepower that Washington possesses. Here's the thing that's got me a little bit concerned from a totals perspective. It's not clear if Arizona will have their starting quarterback in the game. It's Jaden DeLora. You know, he left the game in the third quarter last week against Stanford. If they have to go with the redshirt freshman, or what's his name, Fafita, the quarterback, I would probably consider the under in the game. But based on the fact that the line is so high at 67.5, and and we're not clear on both starting quarterbacks, particularly the home team, I'm going to pass, again, on what I consider to be a very high over-underline, guys.
1: Hey, Jim, let me throw this at you. Uh, you know, this looks like to me a Washington Husky football team that uh, came off of another smashing. They're averaging 592 yards a game this football season here. And they've got perhaps arguably their biggest game of the season on deck next against Oregon. What do you think Washington psyche is coming into this game?
0: You know, I'm, I'm, there's something in the NFL I'm going to talk about with the same attitude that in the same situation, um, that this looking ahead to a game like Oregon, especially after what you saw them do to Colorado on national TV, everybody saw that they have to be looking at that. They have to be, and that you with a big point spread like this, they have to be looking ahead. Now, some teams it affects. It depends on how good the coach is to get them to focus on what they got in front of them, but. To me, that's a look-ahead spot that I would not be laying points with 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 Washington. I know how good they are, but they have to be. These are kids. I mean, even the adults, the grown-ups, do the same thing. It's it's normal.
1: Well, we're humans, and we tend to uh, look down uh, at something that would be lesser than uh, competition. That uh, there might be better competition in store elsewhere. So you maybe play down to that level, Andy. What do you think about the Washington Husky take on this football game after they say Mark? Before you go
3: to Andy, I got to ask Jim. Go ahead. Do you feel the same way when there's a bye week in between?
1: That's a great point, Greg.
0: Well, you know when you talk, you're talking about bye weeks with with the pros. um, You got to look at the first of all. these guys all have most of them. Not I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a lot of them that have families, wives, kids. They plan a vacation. They plan a week away from the routine of practice, which they have the preseason practice, they have the early spring practices, everything else. So they're going to get away. They're going to go to Cabo. They're going to go somewhere uh, and get away and have some fun. So there has to be some ruffling of the of the norm. When they're planning things like that, so I, I believe that any time you break up a routine, you're going to have disruption of what you would normally see. So yes, it. But each coach handles it differently. Like for example, everybody knows that Andy Reid knows how to handle his team off of time off, and it's, it, it, he's just a great coach. Not every coach is like that, and especially. These days in the NFL, where you have a lot of very, in my opinion, inferior coaches.
1: Wise insight from Jim Feist. Andy Isco, let me ask you this. While maybe it's a good point that Greg De DePalma, our producer, brings up about the Oregon game being in two weeks, uh, is there a possibility that Washington got what they wanted against prime time Sanders last week and wanted to zip his lip in the worst of way, and they got the job done? Could they be possibly looking down to Arizona this particular
3: week? Are we talking about uh, Washington or uh, Oregon? Yeah,
1: yeah, well, Oregon, I should say. Yeah, it was, it was Oregon who did that. It's Washington with this high profile offense. I'm, right. I'm putting Oregon and uh, Washington on the same parallel with these explosive offenses. So could yeah. they be looking down?
3: You know, when I look at games with these kind of spreads, I normally look to the underdog first because the underdog is covering right now. until the game kicks off it's a question of a can the uh, favorite especially a road favorite can they score enough to cover and prevent the team from scoring Uh, At the same time, Washington and Oregon, to a certain extent, a couple of other teams as well, are so explosive that the other team may not be able to trade scores. So I'm not sure I want to step in front of this Washington train right now because what people aren't realizing, in addition to the great offense that they have, Washington has been a very, very solid uh, defensive team this year. If you look at uh, uh, what they're allowing so far this year, uh, it's been uh, some pretty uh, some pretty good numbers. As has Arizona. In fact, Arizona is only allowing 95 rushing yards per game, 219 through the air, which is even somewhat better than Washington. Although Washington has faced uh, stiffer competition, I'm not sure I can take uh, the points with Arizona. Um, I probably won't end up playing the game, but if Washington, you know, Washington may also be taking the attitude of, Hey, this is a very contentious pac 12 this year. We have to be at our best every week because we can't afford to slip right now. Washington is thinking we've got a real shot at the college football playoff, but they've also got competition look at the other unbeaten teams in that conference. So I'm not sure I want to step ahead of the uh, Washington train right now. And it's easy to say, yeah, Arizona looks good. They're playing at home on grass, etc. at night. But at the end of the day, I wonder if, if Arizona can trade points or if they are good enough defensively to cause a couple of three and outs.
1: Well, Andy, first of all, I got to say thank you for bailing me out on that uh, Washington-Oregon football <laughs> on my part. Uh, indeed, uh, obviously thinking about two different football teams. My take on Arizona coming in this football contest is this. They are one of only 24 college football teams this year that have been perfect in the stats so far this year. They've outgained everybody they've played. They haven't allowed more than 355 yards in any contest. So they're going to take the field feeling awfully confident about their style of play on the field here. And like you mentioned, Andy, playing, in the desert, on the grass. I think it's a nice spot for Arizona. And I'm going to I'm gonna question you a little bit about this Washington defense. It's not as good as maybe a, a, a top-five-ranked team's defense should be. They're allowing 363 yards a game, and I know it will get better when they play better opposition here. But uh, I'm really kind of high on this Arizona football team. I think they're playing way under the radar here this particular football season. I'm going to grab the points with Arizona and stay home with them this particular weekend. I
3: I will say that both teams are three and one against the spread. So you can make a convincing argument that both teams have exceeded public or at least lines makers expectations. One of the things with Washington, when I look at those defensive stats is they are continually playing with the lead. So they're not playing with the kind of intensity that you would expect them to play when they play even another team like an Oregon offensive team or an Oregon state, et cetera. So yes, the defensive numbers are not as good as you would like to see. But again, they're also playing in a very offensive oriented uh, conference. If you, uh, I guess, consider or don't consider Utah.
1: Not having to keep their foot on the pedal. That's for sure. Defensively. I I get your gist exactly. Once again, you're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, along with Jim Feist, Andy Isco and Victor King. I'm Mark Lawrence and we're going over our college and NFL football games of the week. Let's move over to the national football league side of things and we want to mention to you that this is being brought to you by our friends at uwager.lv, uwager.lv, where the world bets. You can reach them at one 800 u that's Y-O-U-W-A-G-E-R, and when you do, you want to make sure you check out their 5% juice on Fridays. That's right, you can play every game for the entire weekend and only lay 5% juice all weekend long exclusively at Uwager. Dot LV. Check it out. It's really, really a fantastic offer they're offering to our viewers and listeners here on the podcast. Now our National Football League game of the week. We're going to stay inside of uh, the, what used to be the NFL least division. It's no longer the NFL least division. We're going to take a matchup of a division matchup between Washington and Philadelphia this particular week. Victor, what do you think happens between the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles?
2: Well, this is interesting. It's a Washington Daily Double this week on the Mark Lawrence ATS podcast. One involving a team from the state of Washington. and Of course, one game involving a team from the district of Washington. And that would be the Washington Commanders of the NFL. And yeah, we probably could have chosen a couple of other games, particularly that Buffalo Miami game that we just touched on at the top of the show. But uh, I would kind of agree with the other guys that that might be a game where maybe we put the money aside a little bit and just watch the enjoyable game because there's plenty of else to choose from in the NFL. Now, uh, over underline in this game, this uh, NFC East division game opened at 44 and a half. It's crossed over that key number of 44. It's down to, uh, in some cases, 44.0. In some cases, even 43.5, and that is a significant move, even though it's only one full point. And, of course, the Eagles favored by just over a full touchdown at home in the game on the season. Commanders 1 and 2 over under, 48 combined points per game. We were on their home under last week against Buffalo Final score, I think it was like 37-3. to three. It was a fairly easy under. We were also on the under in the Eagles' last game, the Monday nighter against Tampa Bay, which also went under the total. It was Philadelphia's first true under of the season as the Eagles are now 2-1 over-under on the year. Average combined points in their games, 47.6. You know, guys, we're not going to get any help whatsoever from an over-under perspective when researching this particular series. The last six Eagle versus Commander meetings have gone right down the middle at three and three over-under, one and one over-under in each of the last three years. But I'll say this, the last nine played in Philadelphia have gone 78% over, seven overs, two unders, 52.3 combined points per game. Now, I've got conflicting database information in regards to this game. For instance, week four, has been a good week in the NFL for unders in divisional games where the home team is favored, like Philadelphia, favored by a touchdown or more against Washington. But with that said, game four divisional home favorites of four or greater who are undefeated on the season, that would be the Eagles, have actually gone a perfect six and 0 to the over in the last 15 years. So again, we have a dilemma as far as our. Um, game four related database queries uh we'll also say this in this particular division nfc east home favorites of greater than a field goal have actually gone 10 and 2 to the over in the last two years again the bottom line guys i've got conflicting database information when researching the game with plenty to choose from in week four i have no issues passing in the game right now at the number of 43 and a half With that said, we will see if any of the other guys or Mark has got some sort of an ATS play that we can get behind in the game.
1: Well, since you mentioned that, Victor, I'll go first here before I hand it off to Jim and Andy uh, looking at this contest here. You know, Philadelphia is a Super Bowl loser, and in my database, Super Bowl losing teams have really struggled to the spread the next year. And, in fact, in division games, they're only 108 and 124 against the spread coming back in division games the following football season. And Philadelphia hasn't been plagued yet thus far by the Super Bowl loser syndrome uh, so far this football season. Knock on wood if you're an Eagles fan. Taking a look at Washington here, what I like in this game as far as Washington is concerned is the way they come into the football game. They're a division dog who scored three or fewer points in their previous game. And you'll generally find these division dogs that come up really empty on the scoreboard of the previous game, evening things up if you will, a little bit more that way, taking points in situations like this. Now, this is a Washington team that's also has yet to score in the first quarter this season, but they've outscored teams 72-27 to 27 in the second half of the season. So keep an eye on Washington perhaps in the second half of this football game, especially if they're trailing in the contest. This is a nice note that I want to pass along from our friend Nate Davis at the USA Today, and he does a wonderful job coming up with these nuggets, if you will, these per se, But he mentioned that since the NFL expanded the postseason bracket back in 2020, all but one team that won at least two-thirds of their games, their close-call games, those are games decided by eight or fewer points, all but one of them made the playoffs. So far this season here, we have teams that have qualified through the first three games of the season that have done just that. They've decided their football games, at least they won two-thirds of them, of their one-score games. Those teams happen to be New Orleans, Pittsburgh, and both Philadelphia and Washington. So can this be another one-score type football game? I believe it possibly can, and I'll take the points with Washington in the contest. Andy, how do you see this game shaking out?
3: Well, looking at this game, this is actually, surprisingly, perhaps to many people, a revenge game for Philadelphia. And a significant revenge game, They played twice last year as division rivals. The Eagles won the game early in the season at Washington, and they were unbeaten coming into the rematch. If I recall correctly, it was a Monday night game, and Washington beat them fairly handily. I think it was 32-21, but as I recall, they were in control for a good part of that contest where uh, the the commanders. So there is motivation. Now, one thing I've not had a chance to check, and Mark, maybe you have in your database, is how – Division games turn out when one of the teams, especially the favorite, be it home and road, how they fare if they have short week. In other words, they played on a Monday night Did Philadelphia in that game against Tampa Bay, and then they come back and they face uh, a division opponent. And the reason I bring that up is if you're facing a division opponent you're familiar with that team. You play them twice a year, every year. So there's not as much preparation that you need to put into, say, for example, if you're playing an interconference foe, a team that you meet only once every four years, or maybe another team in the conference that you face infrequently. So uh, my thought would be is that the extra uh, time that Washington has to prepare, the extra day is not a significant edge because of the familiarity that Philadelphia has. I think we started to see Philadelphia get things together last Monday night against Tampa Bay. I was not impressed with their efforts in their first uh, uh, two games of the season, the uh, game uh, against New England where they had a lead and New England came back and had a chance late, or the game against Minnesota where they had a nice lead and Minnesota came back and didn't quit uh, in that contest. I think we saw, even with Hertz having the two interceptions and the one Uh, touchdown last week we started to see more out of the uh, Philadelphia offense I like the running of Swift in that game something that uh, uh, he was expected to uh, uh, add to the offense after uh, losing Sanders following uh, last season and the defense which has been slow to come around I think really started to show a lot of their capabilities uh, against uh, uh, against Tampa Bay Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to play this game I can understand a lot of reasons why people will like Washington Um, But then again, they also liked Washington last week against Buffalo in what seemed to be a good spot for the Commanders. And, you know, they were shut out until the final, what, minute of the game when they scored a field goal to make it 37-3. Yeah, there is the familiarity. Uh, We'll see how uh, the Philadelphia defense does against uh, uh, the – uh, the uh, the the Howell quarter Sam Howell the quarterback for the Commanders who you know finally got a taste of uh, some adversity last week after uh, the great performance in Denver the week before so I'll probably pass this game I could not disagree with anyone who wants to remember the, the Bucks were a huge popular play last week getting points at home against Philadelphia Philadelphia pretty much controlled that game maybe the same thing happens here I'm not sure I can lay the points with Philadelphia but I'm not sure I can trust Washington.
2: I got the answer. But can, can I throw in? A, yeah, go ahead. I, I, just, I just went into the database and ran that question that Andy was talking about. Division home faves who just played on Monday night on the road the week before. And uh, it does not bode well for the Eagles this week or for over the total betters. I've got now seven and 16 ATS this is dating back to the 2016 season. So we're talking about six or seven years. And again, that's seven and sixteen ATS for division home favorites who just played on the road on Monday night. Not only that, but those games have also gone five and eighteen over over under, meaning five overs, eighteen unders. So based on Andy's one question alone, it does look like the dog in the under might be the play based on that one uh, situation.
1: That's that noise pretty significant. That I, the noise that I heard in the background was the well-oiled machine. Victor turning <laughs> it up, turning it on. By, by it, the way,
3: Mark, I want to make one more point because we talked about the game earlier, that Miami-Buffalo game. And, you know, we I, I didn't get a chance to do all the work I like to do on the advanced lines, but I did take a look at that game. The line for that game over at the Westgate came out last uh, Tuesday. I think it was the uh, the 19th. So that was after week two's games played, but before the offensive explosion of Miami this past Sunday and the similarly dominating effort by Buffalo. The line was actually Buffalo minus three when they put the line up after the two games ended on Sunday. The line was actually adjusted downwards, acknowledging Miami's outstanding performance. It was put up with Buffalo less than a field goal, minus two and a half. And the first move actually came in to push the line down to two. It's since gone back up uh, from, two, from two to two and a half, where it sits as we're doing this podcast, you know, late uh, Wednesday afternoon, Eastern time, which is somewhat surprising because I would have thought that the open, that the number that they had up of three uh, was a good solid number considering uh, Buffalo. Uh, first of all, Buffalo has to respect Miami off that effort. But remember, my, because Miami nearly knocked them out of the playoffs last year. So I thought I thought the three was a good number. I wonder if the books are saying something by opening it up at two and then see, two and a half and seeing it go down to two.
1: Andy Isco ridding between the lines. Jim, Andy mentioned uh, Howell, Sam Howell, the quarterback from Washington, and uh, how he may be playing himself out of a job. Uh, I know Ron Rivera <laughs> was not all that <laughs> enthralled with him. I think he sort of more or less inherited the job. What do you think uh, their position is with Sam Howell as their quarterback uh, right now? And could we see a change at Washington? I, I think
0: looking throughout the league, we're looking at a lot of quarterbacks that at best they should be backup quarterbacks. He's probably one of them. Look at Atlanta, Ritter. We don't know if this young man is willing to throw the ball down the field or if it's a coaching staff that's holding him back, but Their offenses are terrible. Zach Wilson up with the Jets. He's probably out of a job this week or next week. Um, There's a lot of very inferior quarterbacking. Now, I will say this. A bad head coach, a bad offensive coordinator can ruin a player coming out of college that has potential and they don't give him the right training, coaching, etc. So, I, I not tuned in enough to know if somebody obviously these guys had talent or they wouldn't have been drafted, they wouldn't be in the league, but they look absolutely horrendous. The quality in the NFL right now is very low compared to what I've seen over the last decades, three, four decades. Now, next year, you look at the draft that they're talking about the potential of seven college quarterbacks coming into the NFL and and potentially starting, because of the, you know the rules are you pay them so little, and you can build around them if you find somebody with some real talent and it clicks with the coaching. So the answer to your question, yes, he could easily be out of a job. But I don't know who they're going to put in place. I mean, Washington is not a team that we expected a lot out of this year. Um, I've never been a fan, a head coach, a fan of the head coach there. He's, I think, he had. A little bit of success with Cam Newton years ago with the Panthers. But I haven't seen much from him after that. I loved him in his playing days when he was with Chicago. But Philadelphia is the loser of the Super Bowl. He had the short week. I don't think they're the same team as they were a year ago. They've lost the defensive and offensive coordinators. So if I was going to play this game, I would do what Victor just said in his database because I didn't have much of an opinion until he read all that material off. <laughs> I'd take the dog in the under because of that. Uh, as far as the, the, the league itself going top to bottom, there's a lot of inferior coaching. There's a lot of inferior offensive uh, coordinators. And there's a lot of inferior quarterbacking. Can that change? Yes. With these people getting more experience at these jobs and the quarterbacks getting a little bit better training, like Fields in Chicago, that's a mess. That's absolutely a mess. And, and you get, you get get these teams are getting six yards passing and they're, they're, they're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, that Ritter did that two weeks ago. He had minus two yards pass. That means he's throwing the ball behind the yard, the, the line of scrimmage. It's
1: ridiculous what these coaches and these teams are doing at this moment. Uh, they're, they're coaching to become dinkers and dunkers is what they're doing. It started with Adam Gase in his days down here at Miami and failed miserably when he went to Buffalo. We're seeing a lot more of it here in the National Football League. Savvy words of advice from a savvy veteran handicapper in Las Vegas, Jim Feist. And with that, let's take a look at Jim's overview in the National Football League from last year, if you will.
0: The, the Dolphins at the Bills this week is absolutely must-watch TV. Uh, yeah, the Bills blew the first game. Josh Allen played Josh Allen giveaway t- day. And, but right now they're looking really, really strong. And this is a strong football team. They opened a three-and-a-half point favorite. They're now two-and-a-half uh, favored, And the total went from 50 to 53-and-a-half. Uh, the Bills' defense is not going to lay down for the Dolphins like the Broncos did last week. That's not going to happen. We're not going to see that. We might see 35 points from each of these teams, that's possible. And I would lean, definitely lean to the over. No, you actually would bet the over, (laughs) but at the early number, and now you're gonna see anything up to 54, I'd probably have to play it over. Of course, you gotta check the weather, but Josh Allen, Tua, Waddle didn't play last week. If Waddle comes back, that expands this offense. This offense right now is just unbelievable. Of course, you all know that. And when everybody sees that 70 up on the board, and you know, there's gonna be a lot more attention to the Miami Dolphins doing that, than the rea- that's not reality because they played the team that quit. Denver quit. I don't know how to dig into that, but we're gonna dig into the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson the, why the defense would quit, I have no idea, but they did. And now now we're going to go to this game. This is a marquee game of the week. Absolutely, absolutely must watch TV. Uh, the ball's going to move up and down the field. You're not going to stop these guys. And um, it's not a be. It's not going to be a defensive game, so you got to look for a lot of points. 60, 70 points is possible. Um, unless there's weather and that does happen in Buffalo. So we are getting into it's October 1st for this game and you could get weather. So we have to check that as we go through the week, but this is going to be an awesome football game.
1: Once again, great information as always from Jim Feist in Las Vegas. And speaking about the national football league, let's hand over to Victor King from King Creole sports and his take on the NFL over under review and preview for this week. In the National Football
2: League. Hi, again, everybody. It is Victor from Playbook, the over-under guy, and we will return to our Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast in just a minute since it's fresh in my mind and I just completed this week's issue of the Playbook Totals tip sheet newsletter. Let's run through a really quick review of last week and a preview of this week in the NFL, of course, You know, we are three weeks into the NFL season right now. And once again, last week, it was another totals turnaround. We've gone from low scoring, that was week one, to high scoring week two, and back to another low scoring week, week three, of course, in a three week span to start the 2023 season. Yeah, I know. Despite a record-breaking 90-point game down here in hot South Florida last week, it was still an overall low-scoring weekend in the NFL. The official results last week, only five overs, 11 games ended up going under the total. Average points per game last week in the NFL, 44.1. So we've gone from a week one average of 41 points per game to a week two average of 49 points per game and back to a week three average of 44.1 points per game. However, if we remove that 90-point miami denver shootout from the mix, the averages were much more in line with what happened in week number one, only 41.1 combined points per game. If you read this week's Totals newsletter, there are two aspects from a totals perspective that have been very revealing this season. Number one, uh, when you compare the early kickoff games on Sundays, the 1 o'clock starts, to the late afternoon kickoff games, the four o five 5 starts, uh, there's been quite the difference in scoring. NFL games that kick off at 1 o'clock on Sunday have only averaged 42.7 points per game. But the late afternoon kickoff games have averaged 52.3 combined points per game. Those are the games that you may want to consider this week as far as overs, as again, the late afternoon kickoff games have averaged 10 points per game more than their counterparts in the early Sunday kickoff games. And one more thing that we may add, and of course I mentioned it on the Title of this week's totals tip sheet, the primetime night games and the high tendency for those games to go under the total. Last week in the NFL, Thursday night game between San Francisco and New York Giants, under. Sunday night game between the Raiders and the Steelers, under. Monday night game between the Bengals and the Rams, under. And our play, the Monday night game between the Eagles and the Buccaneers, under the total. All four of last week's primetime games went under the total. They've now gone two and nine over under on the season. That's two night games that have gone over. Nine of them have gone under. And uh, it's been a very consistent pattern now over a two-year period. NFL night games have now gone 21 overs, 43 unders. That's 67% under in the last two years. If you have not joined us on these primetime games under the total, you've missed out on some big bucks. Now, what do we got this week in the NFL? Across the pond. That's right. The international series of games is back in 23. It starts this week in Wembley Stadium in London. With the Jaguars taking on the Atlanta Falcons, this is one of five games scheduled in Europe this season. One will be played in Wembley, two in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, two more in Frankfurt, Germany. And what we will note about this particular venue, Wembley Stadium in London, the last six international games played here, like this Jacksonville-Atlanta game, have gone under the total with an average of only 35.3 combined points per game. That is the way we will be leaning in this first of the international series of games in the NFL. This is also a very, very good week for division games to go under the total. And there are indeed a handful of those games this particular week. Now, if you're looking for one over to bet, we're going to give the ball to our boy, Tuco, and he's playing a team total this week, and he's going to be going to the Lone Star State and playing the Houston Texans to go over their team total of 19 and half points as they host the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. We're talking about a hot Houston team and a hot rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. The first-year player has already exceeded expectations. He's the best rookie quarterback thus far, by far. He has a top-five pass to rating. He's gone over 300 passing yards per game on the season, not to mention multiple rookie records. And not only that, though, but with Stroud at the helm, Houston has now already gone over their team total in all three games this season The culmination, of course, was last week that 34-point road beatdown of the Jacksonville Jaguars as Stroud had a 118.8 quarterback rating and 9.3 yards per passing attempt. The good thing for us in this game, it's a modest total that we're asking to go over. We only need Houston to score 20 or more points. Now, I know the thought of playing against a vaunted Steelers defense, it's a little bit difficult. But this is the same Pittsburgh defense that is allowed 23.3 points per game on the season. And they just gave up 324 passing yards to Jimmy Garoppolo last week. So there you have it. Two goes. Team total of the week is for the Houston Texans to score over 19 and a half points as they host the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's this week's free play for week four in the NFL. We're going to get back to the Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast. Don't forget, this week's issue of the Totals tip sheet is available at the playbooksports.com website. And all of our King Creole selections, our handicap selections, available as well. We start in the NFL season with a very, very good record of 11-4 and four documented. And, of course, if you want the shortcut to get to our King Creole selections, the website Shortcut down there is pb.buzz slash VK. Just paste that right into your web browser. That'll take you right to the King Creole page so you can profit this week in pro football as well. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week in week five. And let's get back to the Mark Lawrence podcast.
1: Once again, Victor King spot on with his National Football League over under totals. Pick up all of his over-under totals in the totals tip sheet this week. It's a must-download at playbooksports.com. It's time once again for our contest review from Andy Isco, our update of all the major contests in Las Vegas. And Andy, take it away if you will.
3: And here we are once again with the weekly recap of the Las Vegas football handicapping contest each week at this time. I report on the status and results for several of the major handicapping contests going on throughout the football season. I begin normally with the, golden nugget contest. And even though we don't have really consensus picks, because this is a combination of college and pro football, you make seven selections each week, and the contestants uh, get a point for each win, half point for any push. because there are so many games, in fact, last week there were 60-something games that the contestants could choose from. So you're not going to have a very large consensus. But I do report on the standings. And through three weeks, the contestants have made 21 picks. There's one leader who's had an outstanding record, better than 75%, 16-5. and Three contestants very close behind at 15-5-1. and And then it trails off a little bit, 15, 6, 14, 5, and 2, and goes down beyond that. There are 100, I believe, and 53 contestants this year in the contest. And uh, uh, the top 20 finishers get uh, uh, the prize money. The top 10 make money, 11 through 20, get their $1,000 entry fee uh, refunded. Uh, Now we'll get to the major contest sponsored by the Westgate Race and Sportsbook and Circa uh, Race and Sports. And these are the uh, contests that have been going on for a number of years. The Westgate Contest has actually been going on uh, since the late 1980s. The Circa Contest started in 2019. Super Contest uh, by the Westgate has uh, two contests that I report on, the regular Classic Super Contest and the Super Contest Gold, which is a winner-take-all. That has a $5,000 entry fee. There are 92 entries this year in the Super Contest Gold with a $460,000 prize awaiting the, uh, the, the winner of this contest, at the end of the 18-week regular season schedule. The Super Contest Classic uh, has a $1,000 entry fee. There were 1,301 entries in that contest this year. Looking at the results for week three, I report on the consensus of the top five plays. We make five picks per week in each of these contests. They use static lines that are put out by the Westgate at approximately 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday afternoons. Those lines don't change even though the betting – Numbers may change on the actual betting board due to uh, betting activity uh, based upon uh, opinion, based upon injury uh, effects, etc. But those lines are static. And the top five selections for the first two weeks of the contest were six and four. The consensus this week had a bad week. They went just one and four against the point spread. The uh, lone winner was the number four selection, the Houston Texans, with their. Uh, upset of jacksonville uh, did not need the plus nine handicap as they won outright that was the lone winner the other uh four selections all did not uh, cash this week the top selection was the tampa bay buccaneers Getting five points in their Monday night uh, uh, loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, in which they did not cover. The second most popular selection also lost. It was the Denver Broncos getting six and a half uh, at uh, Miami, and that's 70 to 20 blowout loss. The number three selection, the Carolina Panthers, got plus six uh, that uh, did not come through as they lost by 10 at Seattle. And then the fifth most popular pick was the Tennessee Titans uh, getting three and a half in their one-sided loss at Cleveland. So for the season, that one and four brings the consensus in the con- in the super contest gold to seven and eight on the season. As I mentioned, 92 entries in this contest. The one leader has a record of 11, three and one. That's good for 11 and a half. Out of a possible 15 points and one person in second place right behind him, 11 and four for 11 points. Now, the main contest at the Westgate is the Super Contest Classic. In fact, for many years, it was just the Super Contest because they only added the Super Contest gold within the last 10 years or so. I mentioned 1,301 entries coming into this week for weeks one and two. The consensus was uh seven and three and again this week the consensus uh, had a losing record two and three the two winners uh, this week for the uh, consensus the detroit lions laying three points. They uh, had a comfortable win against Atlanta. That was a winner. And the number three selection, the New England Patriots, uh, were a winner laying two and a half at the New York Jets on Sunday night football. The three losers this week, the Tennessee Titans, were the most popular selection in the Super Contest Classic, uh, getting three and a half in that one-sided loss at Cleveland. The number four selection, the Washington Commanders, uh, got six and a half at home against Buffalo. That was a 37-3 defeat to Buffalo. And then Monday night, once again, Tampa Bay was a very popular selection, getting uh, five points in their loss at home, non-covering loss at home to Philadelphia. So the two and three week brings the consensus for the year to nine and six. The three leaders in the Super Contest Classic are at a record of 13 and two. Very impressive through the first three weeks, 13 and two for 13 points. Good for a Half-point lead over one contestant at 12-2 and one, and 11 more at 12 and three with 12 points. That's still a nice 75 percent three weeks into the season. And as we see every year, we can expect the the percentage for the leaders in the contest to decline uh, gradually over the course of the season. Now let's turn to the two contests sponsored by the Circa Race and Sportsbook here in Las Vegas. The Circa Survivor, we'll have much more to say about that in a moment, and the Circa Millions Contest, which is very similar to the Westgate Super Contest in that you make five selections per week against a static point spread, entry fee of $1,000, and there were uh, well over... uh, uh, Let me start again. Okay. Three, two, one. Now let's turn our attention to the two contests sponsored by the Circa Race and Sportsbook here in Las Vegas, the Circa Millions and the Circa Survivor. A lot of news with the Circa Survivor contest that I'll get to in a moment. But first, let's turn our attention to the uh, Circa Sports Million, the fifth edition of that contest. $1,000 entry fee attracted 5,274 entries, which is the highest that they've had in their five years of the contest. You pick five games against a static point spread, much like the Westgate Super Contest that I just described. However, the difference here is that the lines, unlike the Westgate, which come out Wednesday afternoon, these lines for the circuit come out Thursday morning around 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So sometimes there will be a half point variation in some of the lines. And for those contestants who Uh, Our participants in both of the contests, the Super Contest and the Circa Million, it may impact and influence the decision-making process as to which games to play. One contest, for example, may have a team favored by two and a half. The other contest may have that same team favored uh, by minus three. So there are decisions to be made. Looking at the consensus picks for the Circa Million through the first two weeks, they were six, three, and one. Uh, against the point spread and the contest this week produced a record of two and three the winning selections included the most popular selection the new england patriots over 1500 contestants out of the 5274 were on the patriots laying two to the jets that was a winning selection as were the detroit lions uh, predict uh, excuse me selected by over 1400 contestants and they laid three to atlanta covered that game rather easily the losing selections included the uh, number three selection the washington commanders getting plus six and a half in that one-sided loss to a buffalo the number four selection the Tennessee Titans, uh, another popular pick in the Westgate contest, as I noted before, uh, they had over 1,300 selections. They lost and didn't cover in their uh, game at Cleveland. And then Monday night, once again, Tampa Bay, a very popular selection, just under 1,200 contestants or entries had that selection. And Tampa Bay uh, getting plus five, did not cover in their loss Monday night to uh, to Philadelphia. So a two and three result for the week. That's eight six and one now for the season. And the leader in that contest has a spectacular record through 15 picks in three weeks, 14 and one against the points good enough for a slight lead over three contestants who are tied at 13, one and one and two more further back at 13 and two and 14, then tied at 12, two and one. So a very strong start for the uh, top of the field in the uh, circuit contest. Now, an ad- a little side twist to the Circa Millions contest, they have a booby prize for the uh, person who has the or the entry with the worst record at the end of each quarter, because they do have quarterly contests built into the main contest. And at the end of the year, they call that the booby prize. And uh, of course, you do have to make selections for. All weeks in the contest. So for the full season, you do have to make uh, selections uh, uh, for all 18 weeks. You can't just not submit selections and take that 0 and 5 and have it count towards the booby prize. You have to make selections and lose those selections. So far, one contestant has gone 1, 13, and 1 for one and a half. Uh, points. Actually, they on the standing sheet on the website they do show it as 13 and a half out of 15 because there you get one point for a loser and half a point for a push. So one 13 and one the results uh, for the leader in the prize component of the circa millions now we get to the circa survivor which has increasingly become the most popular contest not just here in las vegas but really worldwide on the internet they follow it very closely it's a thousand dollar entry fee the rules are very simple you pick a team each week in the nfl to just win the game straight up no point spreads involved as long as your game wins you advance but you are limited to picking a team only once during the course of the season meaning that at the end of let's say the contest goes the full season by the way there are two sections to thanksgiving week split into two parts you got to make one selection in each part and two for christmas week where you make a selection in each part so in effect there are 20 weeks for the circuit survivor contest meaning you will have to use 20 separate teams meaning that on the other end of the spectrum there are 12 teams that you won't have to use during the course of the season and it involves a lot of strategy planning throughout the season before the season starts once the schedule is known and then of course modifying during the season as far as how teams are performing uh better or worse than uh, your projected perceptions before the season starts there were 9267 entries in this year's contest Uh, It was an $8 million guarantee. So the circa needed 8,000 entries. They exceeded that by quite a number. So one person, or it could be split at the end of the season at the last person who is remaining with a live entry, $9,267,000 will be going to whoever collects or shares in the collection of the, uh, Prize, the winner take all last man standing. Previously, uh, after weeks one and two, 3,343 entries were eliminated in the first two weeks of the contest, meaning that only 63.9% of the original field remained entering week number three. And as you could probably imagine, it was a lot of carnage this past week in week three. The number one selection overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars. 24-21 out of the 59-24 picked Jacksonville. They were a nine-point favorite. All they had to do was win straight up. They never led in this game, trailing 17-0 at half, losing at home to the Houston Texans. So 24-21 eliminated with Jacksonville's win. Baltimore supporters fared no better, although only 621 uh, selected Baltimore as they lost outright in overtime to the Indianapolis Colts. And the third biggest loser of the week, the Dallas Cowboys, stunned by the Arizona Cardinals. 367 contestants uh, went out uh, with that. Uh, The next most popular pick, the Las Vegas Raiders Sunday night, 23 contestants had uh, those uh, Raiders picked. They went down to defeat, and there was uh, one team that had two uh, selections, three teams with one, and surprisingly, eight people did not submit a selection for uh, week three, so a total of three thousand four hundred and thirty and four. Excuse me, three thousand four hundred and forty-five entries uh, were eliminated this past week. Uh, that marked fifty-eight percent of the remaining field of fifty-nine twenty-four, leaving a total alive after just three weeks of twenty-four seventy-nine. Now that's a big number, but it represents only twenty-six point eight percent of the original field. If you do the mathematic calculation, I think it works out to something like thirty-four hundred. And something dollars the value of each entry if you divided the 9,267,000 by the 2479 remaining entry. So, uh, not a very good week. In fact, a horrible week for the uh, sports uh, uh, survivor, the circus survivor. Now, the first, this is the fourth year of that contest. The first three seasons all saw. All saw a split prize at the end of the season. Uh, you had 35 or 36 people split week one. I think you had about half a dozen week in, in season two, season one rather, season two, I believe it was six or five or six people split the prize. Last year, uh, it was, I think, three people who split the prize uh, three ways. So uh, Derek Stevens, the owner proprietor of Circle, would love to see just one person uh, get the prize. But remember, 9,000 plus entries this year, the largest by far. Last year, they had barely over 6,000 when it was a $6 million guarantee. So basically, a 50% increase in the number of entries. And right now, we're down to 2479 with 17 contest weeks remaining. Let's see what happens if uh, the favorites can escape unscathed. And let's see uh, if you go to the website, you can check out all the selections. And most importantly, you can check out to see what teams the remaining entrants have selected. And what teams they have yet to select. And keep in mind with that Christmas week and that Thanksgiving week, those shortened part of those weeks, you've got to make sure the contestants do. We have to make sure that we have at least one, if not two or three teams that play on Thanksgiving Day and that Friday and on Christmas Day, that Monday, uh, in order to uh, be able to submit a selection. Because if you've used all the teams that play on those, those days, you're out. Anyway, that's the wrap-up for this week in the uh, Las Vegas Football Handicapping Contest, and uh, we'll check back again next week with a further update after week four.
1: Great job once again by Andy Isco in Las Vegas with the review of all of what's happening in the major contests in Las Vegas, as he does each and every week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. With that, we're going to introduce a new segment on the show this week. We call it the Two-Minute Roundtable, and what it basically is is victor jim andy and myself we're going to do a round table discussion on the football card or season to date on anything that's on our mind or get it off of our chest on the show this week our each of our guys we've got two minutes for each guy for their question and our answers to those to those questions in our two minute round table and i'm going to kick it off with you andy let me know what's on your mind for our two minute round table
3: Well, it seems we have this discussion in some sort of fashion each and every season in the NFL, and that is some of the inexplicable coaching decisions made. Uh, (laughs) Many of us have have always maintained, or for a long time maintained, that they should hire some expert from Vegas who watches these games very closely, knows everything about down distance situation capabilities, clock management etc and the most recent example comes in this past sunday night game between the raiders and the steelers with with about four minutes to go the raiders kicked the field goal to uh, make the score 23 uh, 18 Uh, however there was a Pittsburgh penalty the raiders accepted and the raiders then moved down a little bit further took more time off the clock still 23-15 at that point because the three points came off. And instead of going for the touchdown and maybe not even having a chance for getting a ball back, they kicked the field goal. Okay? I had no problem with them kicking the field goal with four-plus minutes remaining because you're probably going to get another possession if your defense does anything. But certainly on fourth and four or fourth on anything, for that matter, at that point in the game. How do you possibly kick a field goal? Now, it's different if they trailed by a field goal after kicking or, or less. For example, in week one, Tennessee down by four late in New Orleans with about four or five minutes left, I believe it was, kicked the field goal to make the score 16-15 versus 16-12. Okay? Now, they only needed a field goal if they got the ball back. Here, the Raiders needed a full touchdown and a two-point conversion. So, by going forward on fourth down, they basically said, okay, we're now down by five instead of three. We still need a touchdown.
1: And he gobbled up most of those two minutes right there (laughs) in that commentary, but great commentary. I might say this before. By the way, Mark,
3: and that was the condensed version.
1: Oh, I understand. (laughs) The the Cliff Notes version. That's good. Uh, Before I hand it over to Victor King, I want to jump in on that same subject matter and get this off my chest. And it's the analytical approach that National Football League coaches Uh, and the way they coach in the NFL these days. And what we're seeing in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers and Brandon Staley, is absolutely incredible. It's coaching malpractice. It's exactly what's going on there. There is no reason in the world, in the world, no defense at all in the world for him with a small lead in the football game with under two minutes to go at his own 24-yard lane on fourth down and decide to go for it. He missed, and he put Minnesota in great position to win the football game. Can anybody justify what it was that Brandon Staley did? I can't justify why Brandon
0: Staley still has a job. (laughs) that being two years ago I thought he should be left going I mean this guy makes decisions that granted I'm old school I mean but these decisions make no sense and um, what he's done over the last several years the incredibly stupid decisions that they make I of course that 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 organization down there has never done enough with their talent And that's the chargers. I mean, whether we're in San Diego or the LA, it's the same stuff every year. Their, their roster is awesome. They should be one of the best teams in the league, but with that guy as the head coach, I don't see it happening.
1: Victor, I've got to say this. Uh, I'll let you jump in here on this subject here. Uh, We have to say this, that Brandon Staley is from our hometown in Cleveland, Ohio. He coached it. St. Ignatius, which is a really powerful high school, like Bishop, Bishop Gorman is in Las Vegas, and he somehow made his way to the National Football League, and now he's a head coach, and he's proving that analytics are really, really overrated in the NFL. What's your take on Brandon Staley and analytics in the NFL?
2: I, I'm definitely not going to uh, stick up for Brandon Staley, but for my two minutes here, guys, this will only take about 30 seconds. I'll give you time to chime in. And my, my question for the four guys would be, of the NFL teams thus far, who are under 500 for the season after three games, who do you think has the best shot at making the playoffs? Again, I'm not going to defend Staley, but I'm going to say his LA Chargers team, a team that went 10 and 7 last year, that was extremely hot in the month of December. And all they really need to do is improve their 2 and 4 record in division play last year this season it starts this week as they host the Raiders at home and we don't even know if Garoppolo is going to be playing for the Raiders at quarterback so guys of those teams in the NFL who are currently under 500 who do you think gets the best shot at getting into the postseason Cincinnati Bengals
1: all right good one times two Cincinnati times two
3: that's two of them I was going to make it unanimous but I'll say Jacksonville (laughs)
1: good enough right Jacksonville, after they spend two weeks in London to come back, hopefully with a couple of wins, they put themselves in a position. And
3: British accents for two weeks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jim, what's your proposed two-minute roundtable talk and question you've got that you want to ask us as well?
0: Well, I just did a little venting on the coaches and the quarterbacks and stuff like that, and so I won't go back into that. But I'm going to go to a, a situation last week where Arizona was a big underdog to Dallas, which arguably was one of the considered to be one of the best teams in football and Arizona handled them and a young quarterback that nobody much gave much credence to and he played extremely well in Dobbs and Arizona won the game, beat Dallas, really embarrassed Dallas because they were never in it. And now Arizona goes to San Francisco, who is, in my opinion, the best team in football right now better best coaching they got good quarterbacking they got a lot of talent around offensive line etc etc 14 point underdog arizona goes to san francisco but i'm going to go back to something that you talked about earlier about a look ahead situation and arizona happens to play dallas next week and that to me is the nfc championship game or should be if everybody stays healthy to the end of the season. They are the two best teams in the NFC, in my opinion. And now they got a four, an Arizona team coming in. There's a 14 point underdog. To me, that's a great spot to get a team in a look ahead situation. Obviously, they're not going to take them really seriously, but they get a little wake up call because this team just beat Dallas. So let's Let's look out a little bit for this. But I think Arizona comes in there freewheeling, nothing to lose, and they're very dangerous in this
1: spot. And that, that's where my money will be. Victor, let me ask you this question, what 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 Jim uh, poses here. Uh, can you let down or look past a division opponent, even though you do have potentially your biggest game of the season on deck next week?
2: Yeah, and we're not talking about uh, young college athletes here. We're talking about uh, older more experienced NFL players, but with that said, I would agree with him. That uh, uh, Niners-Cowboys game coming up next week is easily one of the biggest games of the first month of the season, and the value is definitely on the underdog in this particular game. And of interesting note, what I noticed about the game, it's one of the few games in the NFL this week in which the over underline is actually working its way up it's taking some over action which to me makes no sense whatsoever when you got a 15 point home favorite who's going to look to just run the ball out in the second half grind it down so they can get to that Dallas game next week so it's a little perplexing the over underline but i would agree with there is a little bit of a look ahead factor
1: Andy how do you what's your take on this situation
3: Well, I want to just go back and uh, talk about Arizona's win over Dallas, and I'm wondering if the Arizona effort was spurred on in some way about the way they collapsed the week before against the Giants. I mean, these are professionals with a tremendous amount of pride and a tremendous amount of ability. I mean, sometimes the difference between the best team and the worst team in the league is not necessarily the talent as much as it may be the coaching they receive because we saw the way the Cardinals were able to handle the Giants early in that game, but they didn't have enough to finish it. And yet they come out and make uh, make it easy. Did finish it against Dallas. Did not let them back in the game. And wonder how that often affects your handicapping going forward of a team that everybody expects to be bad, which I think most of us did as far as Arizona. All of a sudden, they've put in two really good efforts against a pair of playoff teams from last year, including one of the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl this year.
1: Well, guys, that puts the wrap on our new two-minute roundtable discussion. And if our listeners or viewers out there like what we're doing, I encourage you to send us an email, hit the like button, if you will, and subscribe to our Vegas Experts channel. I mean, I should say our Playbook Experts channel. And send us that email, if you will, on any topic or subject you might want us to talk about on the next two-minute roundtable. With that, I'm going to let Andy Isco and Jim Feist hop off in the streets of Vegas, if you will. I know they <laughs> <want> to, <laughs> there's a lot of things to do in Vegas here. Guys, great job on the show. Thanks so much. Hope all your tickets are winning tickets, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week as well. Thank you. Well, thanks once again, Jim. I look forward to visiting with you next week here on the show. Andy, before you go, is there a complimentary plate you want to pass along to our listeners as well?
3: Yeah, sure, Mark. In fact, I'm going to go over to the game that uh, was alluded to over in London this week, Jacksonville playing Atlanta this week over in London, and then they're going to stay in London and uh, face Buffalo uh, the following week. Right now, the Jaguars are playing the first of the two straight games in London, which has become sort of a second home as they've played a game there every season since 2013, missing only in the covid season of 2020 Uh, they should have the crowd support but just as important they're well familiar with adapting to the time change and have somewhat of a regular routine uh, over in london now atlanta did play here in 2021 defeating the jets so there is some personnel uh, and the coaching staff from that team still uh, on the roster uh, under uh, head coach smith Uh, it's a favorable spot to me for the jags who are off of an embarrassing, if not humiliating, 37-17 home loss last week uh, to division rival Houston. They never led in the game, and they trailed 17-0 at the half. They did, however, outgain uh, the Texans 404-366, to but had the only two turnovers in the game. Uh, both of these teams, Jacksonville and Atlanta, uh, are young teams on the rise, and many believe before the start of this season that the Falcons are poised to do maybe what Jacksonville did last season when the Jacks started 2-6 in coach uh, Doug Peterson's first season, then went 7-2 and two over the second half of the season to win their division, make the playoffs, and then win that remarkable comeback game against the Chargers in their opening playoff game. There's much to like about Atlanta, but... To me, right now, the Jags are further along in their development, and along with the embarrassment of last week, I'm going to look for Jacksonville to bounce back, win this game, say, 7 to 10 points.
1: Andy says take Jacksonville along with your tea and crumpets on Sunday for his complimentary play on the show. Andy, once again, best of luck to you this week, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
3: Thanks, Mark, and uh, Victor and Jim, of course, and uh, best of luck to you, all the listeners and viewers, and we'll uh, do it again next week.
1: Thank you so much, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And with that, guys, it's time for our awesome angle of the week on the show this week before Victor and I get to our complimentary plays. Our awesome angle on the show this week, it's a pretty nice little angle here. It's called four on the floor. And what I'm looking to do is to play against any college football conference home team in game number four that's playing with a week of rest if both of the teams are coming in off a loss. These well-rested home teams in week four against a hungry opponent off a loss take advantage of these home teams with that extra week of rest. They've gone 24-8-1 against the spread by fading these home teams. With that, we'll fade none other than Louisiana Monroe this week against Appalachian State. We'll lay the points with Appalachian State and the Mountain Men after their tough loss last week. Our awesome angle play this week. Four on the floor will be on Appalachian State. And it's time now for our final segment of the show, a complimentary place from Victor and myself. And once again, it's being brought to you by our friends at uwager.lv. You can reach them at 1-800-U-Wager, that's 1-800-Y-O-U-W-A-G-E-R. And when you're there, check out their 5% monthly rebate for all of your losses. You've heard me right. If you lose at Uwager, you'll get a 5% monthly rebate. Really, really great customer service and great offerings they have there. It's all at uwager.lv or give them a call toll-free at 1-800-U-WAGER. With that, Victor, what are you looking at for your complimentary play on the football card this weekend?
2: Well, first, Mark, again, it is Wednesday, and that means newsletter day. All four newsletters from Playbook, Midweek Alert, the Wise Guy Report for the week, Totals Tip Sheet, Playbook newsletter, you don't want to miss it. We've got something for everybody, of course, at Playbook. Um, our King Creole selections, we've started the season 11-4, and 4, ATS in the NFL. I'm very pleased with those results after three weeks. With that said, however, i got to buckle down in college football as our record is nowhere near as good as it is in the NFL in college football. So we need to kind of get our head out of our ass a little bit more in colleges. Let's be real. Uh, Mark, talking about being real, if you guys did not watch that interview with Billy Walters on last week's podcast, I urge you to go in and watch it again. Mark did a fantastic job with that interview. He asked Billy some outstanding questions. And, of course, anybody in the sports betting genre knows who Billy Walters is and the true uh, gambling Hall of Famer that he really is. So, Mark. Uh, Before I get into my free play, that was a great, great interview with Billy Walters.
1: Well, thank you very much, Victor. I really, really was thrilled to be able to do just that. I was really thrilled with the way the interview went and got to know a little bit more about Billy Walters, even though I met him in Georgia. You found out what a real humble person he is and what a real human being he is. So like Victor says, check it out, that interview with Billy Walters on the homepage at playbooksports.com. I'll hand it back to you, Victor.
2: Okay, let me get into the database for our free play. And again, all of our selections available at the playbooksports.com website. Or we've got a shortcut web address, too. If you want to get right to our King Creole page to see what we've got up for sale for the weekend, just punch in this short little web address into your web browser, and that would be pb.buzz vk. VK for Victor King. Once again, pb.buzz vk. That'll get you our lineup of selections this week in college football and the NFL. And I'm going to join Andy and tag team the London game. Again, the International Series is back for our free play. We're going across the pond for this week. Uh, it'll be the Jaguars and the Falcons. It's one of five games that are scheduled in Europe for the season. One will be in Wembley. Two will be in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And two will be played in a new location this year, Frankfurt, Germany, Deutschland. There was a great game in Munich last year, uh, and they'll be playing two in Frankfurt, Germany. Now, the line for this game, the Jags and the Falcons open 45.5. It's come down to 43.5. There's some sharp money coming in on the under, and that is the way that we are going in this game, Mark. There's been six games played in the Wembley Stadium location over the last five seasons. Those games have gone a perfect 0-6 and 6 in the last five years. That's zero overs, six unders, an average of only 35.3 combined points per game. Not only that, but Jacksonville, their last four games across the pond have all gone under the total only 38.0 points per game. So we're going to join Andy and tag team it and go low on Sunday morning with your team crumpets as we play the Jags and the Falcons under the total.
1: Victor says it will be a snore fest in London. He's going under the total with the Jaguars in that football game early on Sunday. Before I get to my complimentary plate, I want to remind our listeners out there that my featured five-star NFL game of the month will kick off this Sunday. And if you like live dogs that I see winning the game in straight-up fashion, you're going to love this beauty. You can get it part of a $99 football weekend of winners at playbooksports.com or get the game just by itself when you log on at playbooksports.com this Sunday, my five-star NFL game of the month. With that, my complimentary play, I'm going to go to the Big 12 Conference this week and look at the Iowa State Cyclones when they visit Oklahoma to take on the Sooners this week. I know Iowa State's been a struggling football program of late. They're trying to save Matt Campbell's job there. They're doing it a lot defensively this year. You take a look at this team. They rank number 19 overall in the nation in total team defense, and they've also won the money five times in a row as a double-digit conference road dog. You set this all up with Oklahoma looking ahead to nasty revenge. Remember, Texas took them out last year 45 to nothing. You think Oklahoma doesn't want a piece of Texas this year? That's who they've got on deck next week is the Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma also happens to be 0-4 to the spread the last four years before taking on Texas. Hold your nose, grab the points with Iowa State for my complimentary play on Saturday's college football card. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence. I want to thank our cast of excellent handicappers and good friends victor king from king creole sports andy isco from the logical and my good buddy jim feist the legend in las vegas for joining us on the show this week until next week once again this is mark lawrence remind you to always remember to bet with your head not over it and good luck as always